Hi. Hello. I'm Julian. I'm Tom. We are Believe, a Ted Lasso podcast, here to talk about Season 2, Episode 12, known as... Inverting the Pyramid of Success. And the finale. Mm-hmm. It's 51 minutes long, for those of you that didn't watch it. It's a long one. 51 strong minutes yep. of a lot of good football, also some good soccer, mm-hmm. and just some great character development. What's your overall thoughts on the episode? I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was a fun episode. I liked it. Some goofy parts, but we'll get into them. But I thought it was a fun episode uh, overall. Themes for this episode, my good friend Tom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, themes for this episode, Nate is a betrayer. Uh, yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Is betrayer the right word? <laughs> we'll, 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 once we get to like his like reasoning for why he oh, was yeah, upset. Oh yeah, let's dive into that. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. interested to say if we the, did betray The team, spoilers gets promoted they're moving on up they're moving on up i did like that song keely becomes a boss and some other stuff happens but those are the themes that i wrote down so those are the ones that really matter keely is officially a -A b-a-b a -A b-a-b this show makes you learn acronyms We start off at the football studio. It's like football today. Yeah, I came up ahead. with I came up with that acronym. I don't know if the show makes us. Oh, I thought they said it in the show. I don't think so. I think BAB is a Tom original for boss A. I thought they said it in the show, but good for you if you I'm going in it. If have you not, said it more than once then? Because yes. I feel like I've heard it. I've said it multiple times. On Did you podcast. also coin the term BILF? No. Because Someone had to get a translation of what BILF meant in my household. I'm interested to see what your translation is. My eight-year-old son will never be the same. (laughs) (laughs) So they are talking about, oh, it's the football studio. It's Mm -hmm. the three guys. It's the old manager and then the two actual real people, Mr. Fantastic or whatever his name is, (laughs) and the actual news guy. They they mentioned right in here there's been a change at West Ham United, so mm-hmm. it's a little little what do they call that? A cookie crumb? It's a foreshadow. Sure, a foreshadow. Um in certain cultures they remove the foreshadow at birth. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> the hesitation to get there. I didn't know. I didn't know if it was worth it. No, it absolutely was. <laughs> Uh, oh, the news story is also that we discover, and we, of course, already knew this, but the world now knows that Ted Lasso did not have a uh, flu or a virus. He had a panic attack. Yep. The old manager <laughs> gets into this about, he's like, hey, who do you want captaining your ship? Someone who's going to, like, melt down and have issues or someone who's strong. <laughs> and listen, I understand the talk around, like, mental health. But I do also understand that, like, a professional athlete, someone who's supposed to be put in those positions, someone who's supposed to be put under that stress, they're why, that's why they're at that level. And yeah. so, like, to hold them to the standard of uh, they shouldn't, like, essentially choke, we have a term for it. <laughs> I, I, I don't think the old manager's wrong. Uh, not, not with everything he said. <laughs> he does make some uh, misogynistic comments as well. As he does. As he does. He should ask his daughters uh, what that big word, ask mm-hmm. him what it means. But um yeah i mean he's just being a big jerk like like the, the idea that like people are not human beings that like suffer from mental health issues and stuff and he like rips off all these uh or, or lists off all these names of like other, other managers, managers yeah this man these managers wouldn't have mental health Never issues like 
you don't know are these managers. You don't know what people are going through. I think it was a silly rant, but I do appreciate like the main commentator afterwards. Like, I miss Roy. I miss Roy. Yeah. <laughs> what he said was so drastic. I miss Roy. <laughs> Ted's getting supportive texts from everyone. He gets one from Rebecca. He gets a voicemail from Dr. Sharon. Is there anyone in your life that sends you voice uh, audio files? No, it's weird. For the longest time, my older brother would not text. He would just <laughs> send audio files. And I'd be like, dude, I'm at work I or I got kids. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to like turn on whatever random message you sent me because I have no idea what it's going to be about. But Dr. Sharon's is the truth will set you free. But first, it will piss you off. Yes. So, which is what she said in the earlier therapy session. That's or not that, therapy session, but their goodbye. Right. Mm -hmm. Michelle Lasso, mm. my favorite character, <laughs> sends uh, some support to Ted, and Ted makes the mistake of asking her why she's up so late or up so early. Yeah. This is um, a life lesson of mine, and I would like everyone to <laughs> everyone to take this life lesson. Okay. Never ask a question where you're not going to like the answer to it. Mm. If you're ever like in a position of authority and you know the people <laughs> that you're over have done something wrong and you can ignore it or ask the question, hey, why is that body over there? <laughs> you should probably just not ask that question and ignore it. That's my life advice. I appreciate your example. What's that body over there? Oh, no, no, no. That was just something that came oh, to my head. Okay. That was not something particular that happened in my life. Um... <laughs> Great. I felt like this was a great Apple texting ad. I feel like this was in pre... You have an iPhone. Like, in previous episodes, they've shown... Yes, Apple, I do have an iPhone. <laughs> yes, because Apple's listening. Um, does it, like... It seemingly shows every one of their applications, like, in the text, like, right above the keyboard. Is that, like, a normal thing for Apple stuff? Dom, I recently discovered that there's such a thing as, like, a gift keyboard. So I'm not the right guy to ask <laughs> okay. what those little buttons are. I'm typing every letter in one at a time. It seems like it promotes... my fingers. Yeah, it promotes everything. It promotes, like, the Apple Pay, like, their Migos or character oh, I don't think that do. stuff's on mine. Yeah. No. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, I'm not a big fan of, like, the little dot, dot, dot you see of, like, somebody typing. Like, I think it's kind of... It's not invasive, because whatever, but, like, for Ted to, like, draw a conclusion that her, like, typing and then stopping. We saw it earlier with, like, Sam and right. Rebecca. Like, I don't know. Like, in general, people, I think, jump to conclusions very quick with text messages. Like, oh, they read that and they haven't responded to me for hours. Like, this person is a jerk. Well, I got left on red this weekend for a work thing, uh, and it drove me crazy all weekend. <laughs> I'm actually still upset about it. So I hate that feature. Everyone should turn off their read or unread. I yeah. don't know why you're doing that. And then uh, the other bit is like, well, if you take WhatsApp, WhatsApp says, hey, so-and-so's typing. Mm -hmm. It's just like AIM, man. No, I'm well the, the good old days <laughs> when things were simple. Uh, you can just pop into chat rooms, ASL. You could pop in a chat room, make all those friends with strangers. Yeah, but I don't like it. I, I don't like it. Yeah, so who fine. knows? Who knows what she's going to type? I'm just used to it. But yeah. I, so Samsung doesn't have the dot dot dot, or Android doesn't have the dot dot dot. If someone's texting you, well, when I, I think it's because you're using iMessage versus I, text message. Oh, I see what you're saying. Because that's internet based, right? So I can right. get nerdy, but they're trying to do what's called RCS, which is more like internet-based text messaging that's going to go in carriers. Okay. I'll just stop talking. But that will allow you to see dot, dot, dots for text messages. I almost stepped into that. Uh, <laughs> but I'm glad you have identified some uh, parts of you that <laughs> yeah. go too deep into things and save the rest of us. 
for not having to drown in that quicksand. Could I ask you, what do you think uh, Michelle was doing? Uh, what is she hiding? I think she was probably answering honestly that maybe she went out on a date or... Well, I don't know the time difference. I didn't get it. Was was she like up early or out? That was his question. Was were yes. you out late or up early? Right. So if it's well, I don't uh, know. Are we going to do this in real time? <laughs> no. But he t- Ted is in the morning, so I'm assuming it's either late at night. It's got to be late at night. It's here's be like what I, here's what I can tell you: she wasn't doing sticking it out in that marriage and remaining married to Ted. That's what she wasn't doing. <laughs> and that's I know all that, that matters. And that's all that matters. All right. Then we're on the streets. People on the streets keep asking Ted if he's okay. Yeah, people are jerks. Like, they're like, the way they're like you prefacing You thought they were it, jerks? Yeah. Oh, I thought people actually cared. They're like that, that one lady who was like, I don't know, set up her shop or whatever. Yeah, she's like, you all right, Ted? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm good. He's like, are you really? Like, I thought that was a. I thought she was asking. Yeah, other people were walking by, giving him like. Well, like, those people are giving weird looks. Eyes. People, I mean, uh, as someone who looks like me, I get looks uh, <laughs> from people all the time on the street. Um, what I thought was interesting is like, take the old man. The old man like lectures him. He's like, yeah. if my granddad <laughs> would have had a panic attack at Normandy, we'd all be speaking German. Which I've got a lot of questions. But he then goes, hey, just do the work and you'll be fine. Like, yes, I kind of I think we all did. We expected that old man to just walk on by. Instead, mm-hmm. he was like, hey, do the work. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's probably because they're about to get promoted. Like, if they weren't in that situation, he'd probably have less nice things to say about Ted. If they were on the bottom of the table. He would have oh, stuck yeah. with the German line. Stuck with the German line. Yeah. But <clears throat> I, I didn't. I guess I saw people looking at Ted in the sense that, hey, that's the guy in the paper. Um, but I didn't think of everything they said to him as like they're rubbing it in that he had a panic attack. Well, I, don't I mean, know. they're they're making him feel weird or awkward. Like the first person that like says something to him, I thought was like kind of digging in and making him feel awkward. I think the people that give him like the little like stink eye was odd and was weird. Like people have mental health issues. Like right. Well. Sure, I think this also plays into, like, Ted's kind of, not paranoia, but, like, I think they are emphasizing the fact that Ted is realizing, like, all eyes are on him now. People know his business. And so maybe it's more about Ted than it is about those people. And maybe if they they shot it in a different way it would just be like hey ted how are you are you really okay but we got it from ted's perspective and he's all paranoid that's what ted hears yeah that's what ted hears (laughs) i don't know this is me making up stuff (laughs) beard is there with uh two empty cups of coffee i don't know if you noticed this yeah ever since you said it i 100 paid attention like if this was a fresh cup of coffee Ted like lifted it like halfway, like it's like the last sip of oh, coffee. Tom, it's not yes. like a tiny one. When they hit glasses together, which no one cheers as coffee, it's like a hollow thud. Yeah. Like, fill them with water, guys. Just fill them <laughs> with water. How hard is it? You're not going to get overhydrated. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, we talked about the old man um, who is very supportive in my mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, Beard does something nice here. I don't know if it's nice. But Ted's like, I'm sure you know what all of this is about. Ted does. I think it's just Beard being nice or whatever, saying, oh, of course I don't know about it. Like when they're going to talk about it here in the next like scene. Kind right, of thing. So, right. And okay. he's, got it, he's got the article in his back pocket. He's just giving him a little bit of space for yeah. that. Mm-hmm. We're in Rebecca's office. She's got cards and flowers from Edwin Akufu. Akufu? Akufu, nailed it. I got it. Uh, and 
they're guessing at what they're about. <laughs> and he's sending her flowers because she's going to lose Sam to Casablanca. Yeah, thought it was a loss of her late father, but no, it's the loss of Sam to Casablanca. And this is like a little, a little like nugget of like they kind of did the West Ham in the earlier bit. This is kind of another little nugget like, oh, maybe that maybe this guy isn't like all nice and maybe isn't a great billionaire. It doesn't seem like um, it doesn't seem like a nice gesture. It <laughs> no. seems like a little bit like. Yeah, they're rubbing it in a little bit. Mm -hmm. They're talking about whether or not Higgins has any, because it's Higgins, Keeley, and Rebecca, right? Yep. So Higgins is talking about how he doesn't know where Sam's leaning. He's been playing it cool. <laughs> and Higgins does his Higgins thing. And I just love Higgins more and more yep. each episode. I love Higgins. <laughs> He's turned into a great character from where he started in the show to what he is now. He's like the weird voice of reason, yep. the weird mm -hmm. even keel one. He gives bad but good advice. Mm -hmm. like. I love Higgins. No, he's good. I put my uh, money on the wrong horse. Yes, you did. <laughs> you did. That's right. In the Higgins and Nate battle, you bet for the Bond battle. I will, I will go ahead and admit right now that uh, wrong wrong play. Ted Enders, he says, what's the story, Paul Shorey? I was like, who the bleep is Paul Shorey? So I looked up Paul Shorey. Paul Shorey, <laughs> you're going to love this, Tom. Classical American scholar. Uh, according to Wikipedia, he knew the whole Iliad by heart. And that's like 15,000 lines of poetry. The epic poem, the Iliad, like the Odyssey. Oh, I know what it is. Okay, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm interested if you understand his reference of Paul Shorey or if you think Paul Shorey is a real person. Uh, Paul Shorey is a <laughs> classical American scholar. No. Who knew that? What are we talking no. about here? He's referencing Polly Shore. No. What? No? What's the story of Paul Shorey? There's a real man called Paul, Paul, Paul Shorey. <laughs> I, I thought it was Polly Shore. Maybe I'm getting my, I'm putting my wrong E story on the wrong. Story and Shorey rhymes. <laughs> I thought he was just, he did it later with like another name. He changed like the, a famous person's name to match like the rhyming scheme. I thought that's what he was doing here. Like he was taking Polly Shore and no, changing it. No, he clearly knows a lot about classical American scholar Paul Shorey who knew the Iliad by heart. All right, I'm going to concede this one because, yeah, what's the story? You're, I'm going to hold to it like any good politician uh, and just uh, claim that I'm right. But uh, in my heart, I'm starting to doubt myself as well. <laughs> well, no, it goes better with, like, what's the story? If he's, like, a scholar and knows, like, books by heart, that makes more sense than Polly Shore. This uh, may not even be about a real person. He may just have rhymed a name with... And we're uh, diving so deep yes, into it. Yes, we are. You're welcome, Ted Lasso. <laughs> Everyone in the room supports Ted. They're like, hey, man, we support you. That's mm -hmm. how they give their support. Yep. You've been supported. <laughs> Thumbs up. Uh, they are like, oh, oh, because Rebecca's like, I'm going to get in touch with God, the owner of the sun, and I'm going to find <laughs> out who the anonymous source is. And Ted's like, no, 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 because he, he knows. He knows for sure. Yeah, because Trim Crim told him. But I do love uh, Ted's line where he's like, unlike Lieutenant Kathy, uh, I can handle the truth, which is a good reference to a few good men. A few good men. Great movie. I know it's one of your favorite movies. Great movie. Because you love Demi Moore. No, I love the Colonel and all the good decisions he made in that movie <laughs> by ordering that code red. He really got that guy. Biscuits taste like poop. <laughs> That's what I have written. Uh, apparently, Ted has switched the sugar and the salt. Mm -hmm. And then she she like does this thing where she she's like, oh, they sneak up on you. Mm, sneaky, salty female dog. There you go. That's the one. <laughs> uh, this reminded me of the time I once mixed, I think, the measurement of tablespoon mm. and teaspoon 
of baking powder okay. uh, and I put in a much larger amount of baking powder than was required for the cookies and they tasted like uh, the best way I describe <laughs> it is they tasted like baking powder. <laughs> what a tea, teaspoon is just TS and tea, tablespoon is TBS? Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. TBS knows drama. No, that's <laughs> yeah. TNT. Dang it. So close. Then we're with Sam in the locker room. He gets a card from Edwin, and it is his Casablanca jersey. What number is he? He's number 10. Now, they obviously made it um, very significant of like him seeing this number 10. Okay. I thought it was going to be number one. I was like, what's the most important number? Yeah. Number one. What I call myself. Number one. <laughs> Numero uno. For those of you. Uh, or Spanish-speaking Spanish speakers. Yep. Um, so when it was 10, I was like, I don't know why why it's 10. Because that's not his number at, at no, Richmond, right? 24 at Richmond, I believe. Uh, but 10 is a significant. We all believe. We all, Thank you. Uh, 10 is a significant number in football. It's kind of like known for like the star player of the team. When you say football. I mean, football, football. Okay, got not it. American. Sorry, football. you pronounced it uh, the American way. My fault. Uh, yeah, but ten is like Clearly. a it's like a classic number for generally like one of the best players on the team, and it kind of has become like a, a sign of respect. If oh, really? The player that wears ten on the team does it? It doesn't depend on position, but I'm assuming like an important position, they're always going to be like a striker or whatever. It's generally like striker, midfielder kind okay. of a thing. But yeah, there's been defenders that have worn it. Uh, it's not a goalie number. It's not a goalie number. Are sure. goalies like eighty six, like no, tight ends or wide receivers in I, the NFL? I think goalies are traditionally one. Oh, really? If they even have a number. I guess they and do. And the backup goalies, too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. I've got it all down now. Oh, the cookies I made, by the way, sucked. Oh, Just did they? Just in case you I, I assumed they did. Yeah, but so thank good. you for that lesson on numbers. <laughs> uh, Jamie, oh, is looking for Roy. Now, is it Jamie or is it Marty McFly? I think it was Marty McFly. He's got <laughs> Go this, on, like, I'll give you the floor. He's got this red life jacket on. He's got like he's still got the icon hat that's kind of popping up. This is totally Marty McFly from uh, Back to the Future too. You thought that's what he looked like? <laughs> yes. That's what he was dressed as? 100%. I didn't get that reference. Might as well have been a costume. But I did think it was funny this just like someone walks in the office, they talk to Beard, hey, is Roy around? I haven't heard any grunting. <laughs> like, And then I think it, not long after Nate comes in, is Roy around? And at this point, it's important to note that Beard is reading the inverted pyramid of success. Inverted pyramid of success. Oh, inverting, in, not inverting. inverting. It's not, this isn't Top Gun. He didn't invert. He inverting, inverting the pyramid of success. Yes. Okay, yep. so it hasn't been inverted yet. We're no. in the process of inverting it. Correct. Got it. Uh, inverting means upside down. <laughs> uh, he's got all these notes and stickies in it because uh -huh. I believe he was reading this book on the plane on the flight over. Yeah, and it'd be kind of cool. Like we'd have to go back and look at it, but like if there were no notes in it in the first season sure. when he was reading it, and now it's just riddled with notes. Yeah, it seems I'm, like I'm sure there weird. is a, uh, as they call it, a cookie dough throughout the episode showing us <laughs> uh, all the uh, additional. Because he's probably reading it in a bunch of different episodes. I don't know. Anyways. There's probably a screenshot on the internet. It's copyright infringement, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruff. Oh, I see. Bruff. <laughs> Nate comes in looking for Roy. Mm -hmm. Beard asks him, hey, have you seen the paper? And it's the... Yeah, and of course, like, we know Beard knows at this right. point. Because Beard just has, like, he's intuitive. He yeah. realizes there's only a handful he of people. He all the conversations. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Beard gives him, like, that look about, and then... You get Nate's response, which is just, 
an awful liar. Like he's looking around the room. He's kind of bumbling his words. Um, so I think that was almost beard. Like, I don't know, giving him a chance to yeah, open up a little yeah, bit. Yeah. yeah. To complain. This is my second life lesson for everyone. If you're ever caught in a lie, <laughs> you just look that person dead in the forehead, not their eyes because exactly. their eyes are going to reveal it. But if you stare at their forehead and you say something like, no, I haven't seen the paper or yes, I have, but I wasn't the source. <laughs> You just got to say it like that. You'll get away with it. Didn't okay. that work? Um, not you can tell I wasn't lying, right? I can actually tell you were looking at my forehead. All right. Uh, go between the eyes. Okay. You're a little high. It depends on uh, whether where their eyes are on their face. That's essentially my... Meet my eye level, Julian. Third, my third lesson is uh, understand where eyes go on a face. Um, I didn't realize on the first watch, because I watched this twice, mm -hmm. that both Nate and Jamie are going to Roy... I believe to tell them about or tell him about his interaction with Keeley, right? Is this Nate's coming in or is this them both just, well, it's clearly Jamie trying to find Roy to tell him yes. because that's the next interaction between those two. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was also Nate, either Nate is nervous about what he did to Keeley and what, how Roy's going to react mm -hmm. or he is trying to find Roy in order to also apologize. I don't think he's going to apologize. I think he just wants to like, talk to Roy and see if Roy's going to bring it up. Mm. I think he just wants to know if he knows. So that's the difference here. Like yeah. Jamie like takes it. I don't know how I'm, am I allowed to say like a man and goes in <laughs> and like takes his lumps. Yeah. And then Nate, um, I don't know what the opposite of a man is, <laughs> but uh, you dug yourself into a corner there. I did dig myself into a corner. Wait, wait. I also don't think you dig yourself into corners. I think you paint yourself into corners and dig yourself into holes. That's why no one should listen to us. Um, <laughs> I don't think he was going to apologize because we see it takes a lot during Later the Diamond on. Dog meeting Agreed. for him to like get to that point of apologizing to Roy. Agreed. Agreed. Um, the thing that I also did not understand was the timeline here because Roy was out for... Um, so Jamie and Keeley had that exchange at the funeral. Mm -hmm. That was at least two or three episodes ago. At least two. Roy and Jamie have interacted between now and then. And was the photo shoot the last episode? Photo shoot was the last episode and the funeral was before that. Okay. So that's where... So maybe he, Jamie yeah, and Roy have not run into each other since Keeley toured Roy. Yeah, I don't think so. Because, yeah, the what when it was confessed was a little bit later. But it takes Jamie, I think, a little bit of time to tell Roy. Because to your point, though, it doesn't happen immediately. Like, he doesn't go the next day. Uh, Roy has to find that out from Keeley first. Right. Okay. Anyways, the timing confused me. As you can tell, I'm confused right now. <laughs> I'm confused just like a man, Tom. <laughs> That's so true. Did that save me? <laughs> All right. Roy and Jamie. Oh, he comes out and he's like, Oi! <laughs> How every confrontation starts. Uh, they go into a side room. Mm -hmm. Which uh, is always the boot room. side room. Uh, the always boot the boot room. room. Mm -hmm. And Jamie does a great job here. Mm -hmm. He's like, listen. He's like, I shouldn't have done it. Being around dead people did something to me. It does to a lot of people. Uh, and he's like, I, I, I respect your relationship with Keely. I respect Keely. I respect you. I apologize. Mm -hmm. And this catches Roy. I felt off guard. Oh, like, completely very off guard. Incredibly. Because he wanted to punch him in the mouth. He literally didn't know what to do outside of just curse really loudly. To scream fun. They both did a great job here. Both, mm -hmm. like, Jamie and Roy from an acting perspective. I thought this was absolutely great. I love the role that Jamie plays in this show. Like, 
in the first season, I felt like he was in a lot of scenes, very involved. In this season, he's like just kind of a background player. But yeah. when he comes in, it's like important to plot. Yeah. He does a great job. I don't know. No, I couldn't agree more. I think like last year, he was kind of a heel and was right. a jerk. It took him a long time to kind of make the turn. And every time he's in a scene, he's just a lot of fun because he's trying to be better. He's a guy that's, he's understands that he was a jerk in the past and he's doing what he can to be a better man. Right. Speaking of being a better man, Roy's so mad he doesn't have an outlet to murder Jamie. <laughs> so he storms out. Well, did he not have a... I mean, he had an outlet. Maybe he sensed Will behind him. Oh, a witness. Yes. <laughs> he's like, oh, I can't murder him here. There's a witness. Exactly. The whole team didn't just watch <laughs> us go into the boot room together. There's one witness that's going to be here for it. so true. I can't be like, oh, he slipped and the boot hit him in the face. <laughs> Those boots are sharp, man. Oh, this is a great moment, though. I think we've talked about it. I, we both love like a, a weird reveal, like <laughs> when a camera pulls out and there's still somebody in the in the scene that you yeah. have no idea was there. Like an Arrested Development, they're yeah. in the conference room, they're having an argument. The argument ends, the camera pulls out, and like the whole rest of the company is sitting in the conference room. And Will's response is like, "You guys came in here so quick, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I just froze." <laughs> and then we uh, cut to Keely getting good news. We don't know what the good news is. Before she gets the good news, though, she's on the phone. She's like, kind of like playing PR. She's oh, kind of saying, right. hey, you know, it's all good. Ted's good. Rebecca's behind him and all that kind of stuff. And as she hangs up, she's like, have you Pierce Morgan? <laughs> <laughs> so the assumption being she was talking to Pierce Morgan. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, not necessarily the assumption. I think he was talking to Pierce Morgan. I don't know who's on that uh, on the other line of that call. <laughs> Maybe phone. just uh, unrelated. She was just cursing Pierce Morgan. On the telly. Yeah, that may be her go-to curse. But she got very excited news. Did you have any inkling of what this was going to be when she got like crazy excited? I assumed she got an email from her doctor <laughs> telling her that she was ne negative COVID test going to have a baby. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that would have been interesting. That'd have been a twist. That'd have been a Shyamalan twist. I don't think doctors email that though, so that's probably oh, a you could request thing. it. Maybe I don't know. Uh, I did not know. Yeah, I thought maybe their marriage certificate came through. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. They are living together. I don't have an idea. I was just asking you. Are you asking me now based on the silent stare you're giving me? No, I'm trying to think what all the things I thought about. Well, uh, <laughs> she, because well, I did. There was part of me that was like, oh, what's happening here? Mm -hmm. I can tell you, it wasn't that some VC was going to fund her PR firm. Yeah, that's not what I thought about. Uh, and maybe that says more about me. <laughs> I oh, never. No. I think when she talks to Leslie later, she's like, "Yeah, the money people are gonna fund my thing, like my project or whatever." I love how she called them the money people. The money people. We're back on the training pitch. We get on the topic of the newspaper. Because mm -hmm. Ted, Ted is like, hey. he's like, oh, you probably saw it in the paper. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you guys about it. And he's like, oh, but you guys probably read it on your phones. And this goes into an exchange <laughs> that I laughed so hard at because he's like, oh, I still get the paper because I'm old. You know, you can't cut cartoons on your phone. You and can screenshot I, and test them. Yeah, I think Zoro's like, you yep. can screenshot and text text them. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you more than it's me. And then Isaac, that's true. And then Isaac's like, that's copyright infringement, bro. <laughs> just the, just like the way they go. His and stare. Then, his stare at yeah, Zoro is so yeah. great. Like his family's in the newspaper business <laughs> and he's upset. He's, his parents are cartoonists. And then Ted's like, well, you can't hang a screenshot on the fridge. And Danny comes in. Oh, my fridge has a television. 
Like, oh, I think mine's got that one too. I have the same fridge. <laughs> every every bit about that was just so good, so fluid. I love that fun back and forth. Like that's Ted Lasso, the show at its best when it's doing that. I think. Yeah. Then uh, Ted goes to do a speech, which was nice. I don't mm. know that uh, I necessarily teared up during it, but well, I don't think it's meant to be like that sort of a drama speech. But like, do you get the sense that he owed this to the team or should have told the team about this? I guess my thought is this. From a trust perspective, if he's going to ask these players to trust him and like talk about their personal stuff mm-hmm. because he is that type of coach, although we haven't really seen it in this episode, we yeah. haven't seen him spend much personal time with like a Danny or a Zorro. Like Dr. Sharon was like the fill in this season. Right. She did all of that. Right. But like, I guess from a trust perspective, you could say that, uh, hey, I didn't trust you with this. You had to find it through the newspaper. I do ask you guys to trust me with stuff about mm. your lives. I could see it that way, but uh, I don't know. It's it a pretty personal kind of a strange... thing. Like, yeah, like I-, I get that he's kind of maybe playing catch up on this and just like kind of apologizing for it. But I don't think that you owe anybody you work with, even if it is at a football club, an explanation about like issues you're having with your mental health. Right. Well, I think. This being Ted Lasso, he gets into the personal stuff Agreed. with people. Agreed. So maybe that's what it is. But yeah, I I mean, I I, I took this as he's just clearing the air. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, yeah, yeah. I know it happened. You know it happened. Like, and the team is very supportive. They're like, hey. Oh, immediately. You know, yep. Immediately. They mm-hmm. love him. He does have this moment where he goes to quote the great UCLA college basketball coach. John Obi-Wan Gandalf and Beard gives him this look like what are you doing he goes it is our choices gentlemen that show what we truly are far more than our abilities now I hope y'all can forgive what I've done did you look this quote up I did not okay it sounded great though so when he said John Obi-Wan Gandalf I was like okay is this a John um wooden quote because that's the pyramid on his wall Mm -hmm. I was like I'm assuming it's John wooden quote do you know who quote, whose quote it really is? You can give the reveal. Uh, oh, I see it from the outline. It's apparently a Dumbledore it's quote. From Albus Dumbledore. <laughs> uh, it's apparently a quote from Harry Potter. So uh, it's not Obi Wan. It's not Gandalf. Although I'm, I mean, Gandalf has some great quotes. I can't speak to Obi Wan. Uh, I can't speak to John unless it's first or second John. Um, <laughs> but it's a Dumbledore quote. I thought that was a great moment. So what is it again? It. It is our choices, gentlemen, that show us who... It's essentially, it's our choices that show us who we truly are, far more than our abilities. I like it. Dumbledore's a smart guy. Dumbledore is a smart guy. You know what? Uh, Somebody should have made some movies out of those books. Those Harry Potter books. I wonder what Dumbledore's doing these days. Yeah. Team loves him. Colin wants to find out who the rat is, and Colin wants to punish him. (laughs) Yeah. I love Colin. There's a little bit of gangster in Colin. There is, man. Like he's like, oh, we're gonna put a bunch of soap and some socks and just hit like hit him over the chest with it. <laughs> yes. Which I don't know. Is this a reference to a few good men as well? Because that is what happens in a few good men, right? Those guys are on trial for putting soap in socks and hitting like the new recruit guy. No, I thought. Well, is I'm that... pretty sure it is. Uh, the, By pretty the... sure, I mean I looked it up, and I'm giving you a chance to agree with it's me. It's a blanket party, and you. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, that sounds that sounds right. It just sure. seemed like an odd reference when they, they did a few good men earlier. Like when I I hear that soap sock thing, that made me immediately think a few good men as well. See, uh, I just think of grade school when I think of soap and socks and hitting people with it. Did you have an incident when you were a child? 
uh, I might have been the person inciting said incident. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so the statute of limitations is long since <laughs> passed. I can't be held accountable for my actions. All right. Baby! <laughs> Bumbercat yells. Follow the money! Follow the money. So good. So good. Follow the money! <laughs> so and true. then Ted's like, hey, I'm going to nip this in the butt. Did you know it was nip in the bud? I did. Okay, yeah. But I do appreciate the bud versus butt. Uh, and Beard gives us, that's horticulture, baby. Well, all the books he's been reading about yep. fungi and trees. Do you think they, like, did this joke or, or had him reading this horticulture or, like, fungi book in the last episode to be able to do this joke as well? I don't know. Or maybe I... they had it written for the last episode and they, like, rolled it over into this one. I like to give them the benefit of the doubt that it was all thought, super clever thought, writing. Thought through. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say it was. Uh, the issue with training is what, Tom? There's a helicopter on the pitch. And why is this helicopter still on the pitch? I did not understand this at all. I, once again, this was a timing thing for me. Was the <clears throat> helicopter on the pitch supposed to establish that only like a day's gone by? But even then, like he would have, I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that, maybe that is right. Because we have established that uh, Akufu is still in town. He's like kind of still wooing well, Sam. He, and he yeah, goes to and the he, game and all that stuff. Right. So. And he's in the owner's box at some point during so, this episode. Yeah, so I guess he he's still a guest of Rebecca's and never moved his chopper. <laughs> I no. thought they were going to start rifling balls at it. Yeah, I, <laughs> how are they going to fuel it? How are they going to inspect it? So many things. I mean, it sits on a field overnight. You have no idea what gets into the engine. <laughs> Keely and Higgins are... And oh, because Keely's come up with her news. She's talking to Higgins. Oh, we discover there's like four puppies in his office. <laughs> yep. Did you catch any of the dog puns? Yeah. Any of the names? They were all fantastic. They were all great. Yep. Uh, I do like, uh, I think Keely's like, oh, did you go get him at Barkingham Palace? Barkingham Palace. That was a good one. I didn't understand. Why do they need a new mascot, Tom? Um, I believe there was a, an incident uh, early on in the season, which seems like years ago. There was an incident in the beginning of the season where. Um, oh yeah, old, that dog got hit by the soccer and died. Earl, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep, I remember now. Keep bringing it up. Everyone who meets Keely falls in love with her. Yeah, this <laughs> dog breeder holds her hand. She's like, "I'm a huge fan, huge fan." And Keely gives her the eyes back, and I was like, "Man, Keely!" And then still holds her hand, it and then slowly it, kisses, kisses it. it. And yeah, Keely was a good sport about Everyone it. Everyone loves Keely. <laughs> Keely then talks to Higgins, and Higgins is like, oh, I'm happy that I'm the person you came to for advice. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, well, everyone else essentially was busy, so I've come to you. He's just like, happy to be on the list. That's fine, yep. He starts guessing at, like, why she would be scared to tell Rebecca about mm -hmm. this good news. And he's, like, wrong on everything. <laughs> and I thought, like, is Higgins, is Higgins doing, like, a devil's advocate thing where he's trying to make her realize all her fears are silly? Like, oh, you don't think she's... You think this is like an epic betrayal yeah. or all these things. But I realized, <laughs> I think he just was wrong on all of his guesses. Yeah, 100%. He's yeah. like trying to give that good advice, but he is not anticipating every move. And it was a funny little bit because I think we've had a lot of parts where like Leslie's like right on point with giving right. good advice yeah. right away. Uh, but maybe he doesn't have a close enough relationship with Keely to understand. But it was a funny exchange back and forth. Right. And essentially, Keeley just doesn't want to seem ungrateful. Mm -hmm. And Higgins pulls this one out. And I'll let you I'll let you read it. As my, as you being my mentor <laughs> yes. and me being your manatee, you read this quote. 
Uh, it was great. So a, a good mentor hopes you'll move on. A great mentor knows you will, which is a very, very good quote. Leslie Higgins. Well said, my friend. You nailed that on the first take. It's mm -hmm. pretty good. Yep. There's, oh, and so this is what I thought. Are we drawing parallels here between Ted and Nate mm -hmm. and Keely and Rebecca in uh, terms of mentor and manatee? Yeah, because, I, yeah. No, as I said, I did not catch this at all. And I think this is a, a great thing. Because we talked about they do this a lot with the show is they'll do, you know, two separate sets of characters are kind of doing, you know, different things, but they all kind of come together or whatever at the end. And I think this point is uh, very astute. So so like what Keely is concerned here is she's going to get an opportunity. The reason she's getting this opportunity is Rebecca has kind of given her a chance mm -hmm. to uh, grow her her PR her ability mm -hmm. um not that she didn't do things on her own but essentially the reason she's there is because rebecca brought her on yep. um and and helped her out a bit and so keely is concerned with hey i'm gonna go off and do this but rebecca's done so much for me uh i have to tell her mm -hmm. <clears throat> the opposite side <laughs> is ted brought up nate from being a kit man to an assistant coach mm -hmm. he gave him this opportunity nate now has this opportunity and instead of like being grateful to ted mm -hmm. as we see later in the episode and we've seen in other episodes there's like like resentment mm -hmm. there is nate thinking i did this on my own i deserve it you're a clown yeah uh and then him like not having the conversation with ted about leaving and mm -hmm. going to another club um, so I thought it was an interesting, like, hey, here's the right way of doing this, probably. And here is uh, the wrong way when we all think we've done it on our own and don't want to be grateful to people. So, yeah, that's what I picked up on that. No, I think you're absolutely right, especially, too, with like both of both Keely and Nate were given their opportunity from those characters. Right. Like, Ted gave Nate that opportunity by promoting him and having him be an assistant coach and giving him his whistle, uh, which mm. they had to take the ball out. Um, and then Rebecca, you know, hiring Keeley. So, um, yeah, very, very good observation, which I, I definitely did not, uh, even after two watchings, didn't put it together. So I'm glad you did. Well, that's the sort of insight you get from a <laughs> Ted Lasso level seven. Are like you level me. seven now? No. Hmm. Are you still level six? Can you be honest? I'm actually level five <laughs> after five. this season. <laughs> this season has brought me to five. <laughs> then we have Sam walking on the street. Um, I don't know. Is he talking to his dad on the phone at this point? I he think. Yeah, and, he, yeah. and we discover he's got to give Edwin his uh, answer after the match. Mm -hmm. Just yep. real good story writing here. <laughs> uh, you have to tell him whether or not you're going to Casablanca after the match. The dad does this thing where he's like, "Son, the universe will give you a sign. Mm -hmm. It's always given me a sign." <laughs> and Sam's like, "All right, I'll look for one." Tell I married your mom. Tell I got into Bitcoin in 2009. 2009. So we've established that Sam's dad is filthy rich. Yes, <laughs> super rich. He probably owns Dubai Air. Um, and then Sam's kind of watching some kids play football in the park. And what does he see, Tom? And he sees them wearing his jerseys. But not only wearing his jersey, but they also have blacked out the Dubai Air on their jerseys that they had. And I think that's kind of what puts Sam over the top a little bit, where it's like, yeah, that's a sign. Like, not only have I made this impact in, in Nigeria and got rid of the Dubai Air on our team, but it's having an impact on younger people. And they're seeing it and they're, they're actioning it, which I think was pretty cool. Okay. Well, here's my take on the universe will give you a sign, Tom. Okay. 
I'm about I'm I'm about to dive into a little bit of a rabbit hole, but I feel like this applies to a ton of things okay. in terms of if someone's like, hey, if you're feeling down, you should really take a look at all you have and like discover how like blessed you are, mm-hmm. how fortunate you are. Yep. If you have that mindset, all of a sudden, like little things that you don't typically pay attention to, your health, like the mm-hmm. people around you, the friendships you have, the friendships you have, uh, you like start to appreciate those. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this all also can be applied in like a religious sense in the terms of like, hey, like God will do this for you. Like if you start to like think that way, mm. you start to see it that way. Yeah. And so in the same way, like the universe can be like a substitute for God in this sense. It's mm-hmm. like the universe will give you a sign. OK, all of a sudden I'm looking for signs. Like yeah. if if I just like if I don't have that mindset. I'm not going to see it. Like on any other day, Sam looks at those kids playing. He's like, oh, it's pretty cool. That kid's got my jersey. (laughs) I'm going to go have coffee. Um, I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm not saying I'm just saying like from a mindset perspective as humans, Mm -hmm. like this is why like motivational speakers and stuff exists because they like (laughs) ignite that one thing in you. And so for two weeks, you're like kind of focused on that. (laughs) You're like, and then eventually you get like, I'll just come crashing back down, baby. (laughs) Horticulture, baby. <laughs> oh, I wanted to point out that the jersey was not green and uh, was not the number 10. No. You think Sam? Number 24. You think Sam ultimately just thinks he looks better in blue? I thought he looked at those kids and he was like, I'm going to Casablanca. <laughs> yeah. These kids are rubbish. <laughs> These kids are rubbish. <laughs> so then we're with uh, Keely and Roy. And I think they're in the kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. And Keely's explaining that Jamie apologized to him. And Roy's, oh, no. Roy's like, hey, you want to know what Jamie did? Uh, he told me about it and he apologized. And Keely's like, what did you do? <laughs> and she's like, did you punch him? Did you headbutt him? Did you murder him? <laughs> yeah. Which is just a great line of questioning. But what does Roy eventually say he did? He forgave him. Yeah. Did he? Is that is Roy forgiving somebody screaming the yeah, F word and walking out of the room? It's a great question. <laughs> Something I've wondered my whole life. And you can probably talk to my spouse about this. What constitutes an apology or forgiveness? Because if it's silence and swearing, I'm one of the best apologizers and best forgiveness guys on the planet. I'm with you, though. I don't know that he. Well, he clearly does it because no. the end of the episode. Yeah, he headbutts him still holding on to it. Kind of. That's not an apology either. Like, he never actually apologizes. That's fair. That's fair. But that can be said of a lot of us never actually apologizing mm-hmm. or well, forgiving. I mean, when you have nothing ever to apologize for. That's true. That is true. What I do appreciate is like Keely is recognizing that there's been a lot of growth from like Roy. Mm-hmm. who Roy used to be and then who Jamie used to be and I think what we're also seeing is like Keely's effect on these two men like yeah. what she's done in order to help them grow as people which yeah. I think is a cool um point and I appreciate both of these characters I think Roy and Jamie's like kind of journey to where they were and where they are I think was well earned and yeah. well delivered throughout the show I agree so at one point here uh Keely says, like, oh, she's got good news. And then Roy Roy kind of playfully says, like, oh, don't you tell me you and Ted tried to get off, or that Ted tried to get off with you. I was like, is this foreshadowing for potential season three? I know how jazzed you are about the Keely-Ted relationship. Do you think uh, Roy was kind of calling this out here? 
No, I think he's purely making a joke. Did okay. my heart spring with joy okay. when someone in the show acknowledged that Keely and Ted should be together? Yes. But okay. did I think this was actually a moment of Roy realizing it? No, because he would never use some term like to get off with you. He would have been like, oh, did yours and Ted's love flower into a wonderful rose? That does sound like him. Yeah, for sure. that does sound like Roy. <laughs> Then we cut very quickly to the pub and it's Beard and Ted talking. We mm -hmm. find out that Beard and Jane are still dating. He's like, oh, we're, oh no, we're off. Go text. Oh, we're back on. He's like, oh, thank goodness we're so back on. Maybe uh, Beard and Jane are the same idea. Yeah. I don't know. They seem to be the most on again, off again. Maybe they're all the same the and Rebecca. We'll never know. Mm, we'll find out. May comes over. She gives him a couple of pints. She's very supportive of Ted. Mm -hmm. I think she rips the newspaper out of that old <laughs> yeah. guy's hands. I was done with it anyways. Yeah. <laughs> then we're back in the kitchen with Roy and Keely. And I think she says something about good news. And Roy's like, oh, that. Uh, England only scored zero points in the Eurovision. Are you I, familiar well, with the Eurovision? Yes. And my, I guess my knowledge of the Eurovision, I knew of its existence. It's like an international song competition where like any and every genre of uh, music comes in plays and performs in this gigantic event every year. Like the Masked Singer. Uh, just like the Masked Singer with, I was going to say far fewer masks, but I think a lot of people wear masks. Um <laughs> But there's a there's a Netflix movie. It's like Eurovision, the so Fire Saga or something with Will Ferrell and uh, blanking on her name. <laughs> you can insert it later. Uh, the uh, Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams. You nailed it. Um, but yeah, they they do a little like a bit for it, and it's actually a pretty heartfelt movie and, and pretty funny and, and pretty good. I'd maybe recommend it. Huh. Um, but yeah, th this whole starts with them like. Uh, Roy wants to open up the bottle of champagne and Keely's like, oh, we can't open it for this. That's only only supposed to be for really big things. And it's like, oh, what okay. else is bigger than what we're doing here? Um, and, and he's he, like, oh, your mom moved up north. Yeah, we didn't open yeah, it up. Yeah. The neighbor ran over there, ran over their snake, which she, I thought was weird. She gives a really weird, like, yeah, like yeah. weird reaction to it. And I would imagine seeing a ran over snake doesn't of, sound great. Of all the pets your neighbor would have that you would worry about, a snake would be really low on the list. Like yeah. a barking dog is much worse than, I don't know, a snake. I guess unless said snake is constantly getting out in the yard. And getting run over. Maybe it's like a boa, like a Ooh. ginormous snake. All right, never mind. I'm back out on snakes. <laughs> I'm back out. <laughs> and then she gets the article. She gets a pre-release of her Vanity Fair article, mm -hmm. "Powerful Women in the Workplace," which is one of my favorite Vanity Fair articles. I read it every year. <laughs> business uh, she, edition. She's to business edition. <laughs> she starts flipping through it, and what do we find, Tom? Uh, we find that Roy is not in any of these pictures. But Keely looks fantastic. She does. And Roy even calls it out. It's like, hey, listen, you don't need me in these pictures. Like, you look fantastic in this. Now, did you feel that it was telegraphed that he was bothered that he wasn't in the photos? No, I didn't think so. I, I, from my perspective, I thought he was just being supportive and being, like, truthful. Because, right. like, to my in, in my opinion there was no need for Roy to be in this. Like if the story was going to be that she somehow got some success or they're working together because of his fame as a footballer, then like maybe, but there's no need for it. Like Keely did all of this on her own. She started Vancer. She's doing all this to try to like bring in uh, Roy. I don't think it was needed. You don't think there's puritanical laws in place <laughs> where a woman can't be photographed without a man. Yeah. Uh, 
patron in England. I don't think it'd be needed. Uh, obviously, here in America, women can be photographed alone. <laughs> uh, this is of- where we do get the 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 BILF reference. Um, you know, of a person you'd like to friend. Uh, person do we have, you'd like to friend? Yes. Do we know what the B is? What would you think the B stands for? Uh, well, as someone who occasionally likes the wilderness, I thought it was buffalo I'd like <laughs> to find. <laughs> buffalo I'd like to find. Okay, it's interesting. The You could change the F. The okay. F could be <laughs> okay. buffalo I'd like to flute. <laughs> That didn't work. I was going to say fornicate, but I don't think I can say that. No, 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 that's two on the nose. Sorry. Two on the nose. Um, I think the B has got to be boss, right? Oh, are we really questioning this? Yeah, it's 100% boss. Oh, okay. It's like, oh, you look like a boss. Oh, I, but I had never heard you the terminology. This. It's not a real term. He's making a He's making a joke here. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe it's, it's too highbrow for me, apparently. Oh, goodness. You're the second person I've had to explain this to in my life. Uh, my wife said the same thing. What is Bill? As a third person. <laughs> All right. It's not a common term, Buffalo, I'd like to find. <laughs> but in the Old West, still not a common term because <laughs> Buffalo were everywhere until we shot them all. Anyways, then we're back in the pub. Beard's like, uh, are you going to say anything? Yeah. And Ted's like, well, what? he's like, no, to Nate. Mm-hmm. And Ted says something which I thought was very funny. He goes, much like cats, babies, and apologies, you have to let them come to you. <laughs> and so I guess Beard is like, hey, are you going to say anything to Nate so that he will apologize to you for yeah. this? That's mm-hmm. what he's getting at here. I think so. And I think this is a very good, like, super astute point. Life lesson number four, if you're keeping track at <laughs> yeah. home. Um, an apology that you have to, like, go after... It's not nearly an apology that not nearly as like heartfelt or valued in my mind as mm-hmm. one that the person can like get to on their own. Yeah. And a lot of times that apology is uh, just like a forced. I'm, I'm sorry. Say it just no, no, to no. move on. It's, I'm sorry. It made you feel that way. Yes. It's not an apology. Really? Yes. It's I'm sorry that it made you feel upset. I'm sorry that you're sad. Yeah. I'm sorry that that body's over there. But then Beard gets to it. Like, a Beard eventually gets to the idea that, like, this is not for Nate. This is for you. Like, right. you're going to feel better if you have this conversation and don't let it, like, fester and eat away. And you think he makes a joke about, like, I think your mustache is going to pop off. Right. If you keep this all inside, your mm-hmm. mustache will pop off. And I like your mustache. <laughs> you're like Bradley Cooper. You're too good to me. <laughs> Uh, I love this scene me. though. Like to me, this is like back to like old school fun. I wish it was lasso. Yeah, yeah, I wish there was more. We haven't had a whole lot of this like beard and lasso going back and forth and just having heart to hearts or having these kind of conversations. A lot more of it's just been like beard kind of being weird or you know random stuff from the pitch. I agree. I agree. I do wish that it was just the two of them talking more. I do appreciate the Bradley Cooper comment because I was like, oh, yeah, he does kind of look like Bradley Cooper. Yep, Sans mustache a la... What movie did they reference? Hangover? Yeah, that guy from the Hangover movie. Mm -hmm. Bradley Cooper. You're too good to me. Would you ever say that line to me? You're too good to me? I feel like I'm your pop culture guy. I usually get all the the references for you. Although you just say me on Rachel McAdams, which I appreciate. Wait, would I ever say you're too good to me because he says you're too good for me for like getting his reference right is that what no, he's saying no, no. That? what he's saying he says you're too you're too good to me you're too good to me 
meaning he is comp I'll do it one more time. You are too good to me. Watch the level spike because he's saying he looks like Bradley Cooper. So he's giving him a compliment about okay. how handsome he is mm. and his response is you're could you're too good to me. Oh, I, I couldn't it was get more, it on the fifth one. I thought it was more like you caught my reference kind of a thing. That no. was my initial pull. Right. No. It's a handsome comment. Listen, I've been wrong a lot this episode. We've all been wrong a lot, Tom. But it's okay. It's okay to be wrong. The key is to never admit it. That's right. It's one of the life lessons I learned today. That's the fifth <laughs> life lesson. I thought that was one of the ones from earlier. Isn't oh, was two? It? I don't know. All right, we're going to repeat it. Anyways, <laughs> then we're back at Rebecca and Keely, and clearly Keely has told Rebecca what's going on. They're both crying well, rebecca is, so is proud of keely mm -hmm. and keely's like you've made this panda become a lion <laughs> which is a great reference to yep. the panda lion debate i love um, this i love how this was set up though because it starts on keely and you just see the back of rebecca's head and then it like cuts to rebecca and she's all in tears gushing, her yeah. like makeup's running and all that stuff it was just it was great then we find out uh, as we all do when we're hugging someone, we look at our phones <laughs> because odd. hugs last too long. And so you've got to do something with your hands. <laughs> she finds out that Rupert bought West Ham United. Uh -huh. Not Casablanca Raja. Yeah. So looking back on it, do you think it was just like that whole four people know was a MacGuffin? Yeah. Like the show was well, just trying to do I don't know jerks. if it was a MacGuffin. I just feel like we read too far into it. I don't even know if the but show why, tried to do it. Yeah, why put the four? I don't know. That, that was weird back then. But, yep. Not 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 Rahash, Raha Casablanca. Not Raha Casablanca. What is Rebecca's advice to Keeley in being a boss? Her advice to her is... Yeah, it's, it's hire your best friend. And I have thoughts on it. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Do you think you should hire your best friend? Do you think you would hire me, since I am clearly your best friend, would you hire me to do a job? Uh, Tom, I would work with you 100%. I would never want to be your boss. <laughs> That's not because you wouldn't be a great worker or anything. It's just a weird relationship between friends. Yeah. I will say that in my current job, I'm very good friends with my boss, mm -hmm. which uh makes things great at times but there's also some other things that are just weird because of it yeah. so my advice would be only hire family <laughs> there you go family that you hate <laughs> so that you have an excuse to shun them no but i will go back on this yeah. i i would 100 percent work with you any time of the day but yeah the boss relationship i wouldn't want to get into yeah it's odd like again i think you can get it can work out, but even like having like your best friend be your mentor, I think is also kind of weird because a mentor like needs to challenge you and push you or whatever. Sure. And like they, when they need to tell you things that are going to offend you every once in a while. <laughs> exactly. And... Uh, like when Rebecca hired Keely, like they weren't chums per se, right? No. Like they were more acquaintances. So like, I mean, she didn't hire her best friend at the time, but yeah, I think it's, it's a, it's an odd phrasing. I think it's just like her giving her the compliment of, hey, you're my best friend. Mm -hmm. This has been great. Yeah, I agree. But I love this whole entire scene and the acting. It was great. Like, in all honesty, this was probably like, I got more emotional in this scene than I probably did any other scene. Oh. Like, I just thought like their relationship, we've seen it like blossom and bond. And like, they both just acted the heck out of it. And I felt like they were both incredibly happy and sad at the same moment. It was, it was acted well. I was weeping when I realized that Nate finally got his opportunity in the last frame of the episode. That was your emotional I moment? I was just weeping. <laughs> I was so surprised. 
then we're at game time and we're playing against Brentford. Do you have anything to tell us about Brentford? I'm assuming they're the team from Brentford. Uh, Brentford, yeah. I don't know much about them outside their logo is a bee. The fighting bees. The fighting bees. There's um, nothing more vicious than a bee if you're allergic to them. I think they're they're kind of that classic championship team that I think can bounce back and forth to the Premier League. They've been in the Premier League, I think, a handful mm. of times recently, so I know of them, uh, but I don't think they've lasted very long. Oh, this is where I was weeping when Roy's giving everyone pounds and he's all pumped up and he's like, let's go get him. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I love sports movies. And he won't give Jamie any pounds. So Jamie has to pound himself. Well, Jamie came into the pound a little awkward. He came in with two pounds. Two pounds. You do one pound. Oh, uh, there was. Yeah, I was fine with he it. He did two pounds just so they can give the joke of him pounding himself. I would watch Jamie pound himself <laughs> any day of the week. I thought it was great. Very funny. <laughs> Edwin's in the owner's box. Yeah. Once again, I didn't understand. His helicopter's at the stadium, and he's in the owner's box, and he's trying to steal their best player. Like He's kind of, I think, invited himself in, and I think Rebecca was just kind enough to like allow him to stay. Maybe it's one of those billionaire things. If you got billions of dollars, you kind of just get to do what you want. That's been my experience as a billionaire. Sure. No, 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 no. I'm, I'll let you speak to that. I don't <laughs> yeah. have any yeah. experience as a millionaire. Yes. You got to get to that three comic club, bro. Sure. <laughs> I don't know what a comma is. <laughs> As anyone who's read my writing knows, <laughs> I don't know what a comma is. <laughs> such a deep reference. Like an inside joke. But Chelsea will laugh. You'll yeah. laugh. Chelsea will laugh. I think my <laughs> wife will laugh. All right. Then we are in the coach's office and Nate is staring at the pyramid. This is where this episode went weird on me mm -hmm. a couple of times. We'll we'll start with this. Nate's staring at the pyramid. The coaches are kind of getting together and Ted goes, hey, you know, we're going to run the false nine. And Nate turns and he goes, when he's looking at the poster and they show his face, it's like we it's like worry. Like yeah. he looks like nervous. And worried. And then when Nate says we're going to run Nate, or I'm sorry, when Ted says we're going to run Nate's false nine, Nate turns with his hands behind his back and goes, you'd be fools not to. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what? Yeah. What just happened? Well, and they even give a look. I don't know if it's Ted or if somebody gives a look where it's just like, like, oh, all of them do. Yeah. Like, Ted kind of gives it like Ted's like, all right, I'm going to forgive that. Yeah. But Beard is Beard looks at him like, what are you doing? And Roy yeah. also gives him a look like. <laughs> What is this guy doing dressed all in black? He's on my corner <laughs> dressed all in black. I think when Roy even came into the room, like he saw uh, Nate staring at the, like, oh, the and pyramid. They looks. And then they give like, like, what is he doing? And Beard's like, I don't know what he's doing. Then we find out. So I, I'm, I will be confused by Nate's motivation. We will get into it later. There's some like flip-flopping that's happening here that I don't quite understand. And mm -hmm. I don't think it's the actor's problem. I think it's more of a like writing thing. Yeah. Because Nick Muhammad does a great job through this whole episode. Um, but then we find out that Roy wants to speak to the Diamond Ducks. <laughs> this was so great. The way he like summons them in like the slow draw to say, I want to talk to these yeah, guys. Yeah, he's like, so how do I like get <laughs> everyone together where we just, and he's like, oh, you want to, you want to, he's like, I don't want to be part of them, but you just want to be here. Well, the Ted's line is like, he's like, all right, what, how about a one-time visitor's pass for our junkyard dog here? Yeah, yeah, barking us. Barking ensues. <laughs> so great. Doesn't want to be one. Just wants to be in the room when it happens. Yeah, just like Hamilton, man. Be in the room where it happens. I don't know that reference. Oh, you haven't seen Hamilton yet? How have you not seen Hamilton? Uh, I mean, I well, I take this back. 
I, I haven't gone to Hamilton because it's crazy expensive. Sure. But I've watched it on. Wait, you're a billionaire. Well, <laughs> touche. Speaking of flip flopping, I'm a. Are you a normal person? <laughs> you got me. You got me. I've been thinking it all these years. All these years. All these years, you've been buying me boats. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a famous song from the Hamilton musical. The I haven't happened. seen Hamilton uh, simply because this is how my brain works. Someone in my family really loves Hamilton and <laughs> talked about it all the time. Really wanted me to see it. So out of spite, I have not seen it. It's classic you. I do most of my things out of spite. Like this podcast, when you said we shouldn't do it. That's why you love Sprite so much. Oh, so I close love to so refreshing. Matt and Fresca. I think we talked about that last time. <clears throat> Roy starts to explain that he is upset that Keely got her photo shoot and there were no photos of him with it and that she looks great. Um, and he kind of just, like, he kind of talks it through almost. Mm -hmm. But he does say this line, which was perfect. He goes, it hurt. My feeling. <laughs> no S. A no single S, feeling. Just my single feeling. If we had to guess, what is Roy's feeling? Is it anger? It hurt his anger? Feeling? I mean, that can't be what it hurt here. No, I think feeling of anger is what he expresses. So his feeling would be of... Sadness? No, I'm going to say it's a feeling of... Maybe pride, maybe... Okay, pride would be a good one. Because I'm trying to think what other times we've seen, like, what drives Roy. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think there's, like, parts where they've shown where, like, he needs to be with Keely. He wants to, like, spend time with her. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what feeling it's... I don't think it's jealousy yeah. of, like, them. I don't think it's that. No. Um, this is, like, this, this scene kind of caught me off guard a little bit. Like, I can understand, like, Roy being upset about it's some form of functional relationship but to me this is some of that manufactured drama they're trying to build here like why would roy be upset at the success of the woman he loves well i think he talks through it like he starts with hey like i saw the photos from the photo shoot they didn't use any with me and by the way like she looked great she didn't need me in fact it would have looked weird had i been there mm -hmm. because she looks so much like i feel like much like most of our problems, I feel like he's just talking through it. I don't yeah. think the conclusion is, hey, I'm mad at Keely or I'm upset at our relationship. Yeah. I'm with you, though, just based on what happens towards the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. um, but when he was talking this through, I thought it was a funny point of just being like I, something we've talked about several times. is People just want to like express their problems exactly. and have someone listen because he's like, wait. The Diamond Dogs don't <laughs> solve issues and nothing changes. It's just people talking, which will take us into I'll go into it, oh. where he's like, that's pretty cool. And he turns and then they're oh, just so excited. Tan and Beard. Their response to this is just so good. So good. And he's, oh, man. I, yeah, I can't express the amount of joy I got from Ted and Beard realizing that, like, Roy thinks they're cool or wants to join the Diamond Docks. Does this kind of go back to the season one? Like, how upset Roy's going to be when we win him over? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. They've, they've won him over even further. Yeah. It's great. The uh, funny bit in here I want to touch on this is Roy's explaining that he wasn't in any of the photos, and Higgins, like, one time during class photos, I developed a smile allergy. And, it, like, Ted looks to Beard, and Beard goes, 
not the same thing. And not, then just go. Not part of the same story. <laughs> head head above his head or hands above his head. And so he kind of looks back to Roy. Super weird. So good. But then like even can Leslie, can, can Higgins smile? Have we seen him smile? Yeah, Higgins smiles. But like once he delivers that line, he purposely seemingly does not smile. No. Okay. Is like trying to say it. So maybe it just comes and goes. We've seen Higgins smile. Picture a smile with that little uh, Monet goatee, whatever it was. Wait, wait. <laughs> and, right, you got there. That's there good. it is. That's good. And then Roy talks about forgiving Jamie. And once again, funny bit from Beard. Mm -hmm. uh, he says, like, Jamie said that he still loved Keely at the end. Beard's like, and he's still alive? Yeah. <laughs> Which <laughs> is great. And then this leads to Nate asking for forgiveness for Roy for kissing Keely. Roy doesn't care. Yeah. Did you find this strange? He almost like laughs it off kind of a thing. Uh, he just doesn't see Nate as a threat, right? He doesn't. And and this is maybe what builds on Nate's like yeah some of Nate's issues, I guess insecurities probably is that like Roy is really upset that Jamie expressed some feelings, but the fact that Nate kissed his girlfriend, uh, fiance, wife—I don't know what they are. I'm <laughs> assuming because they're expecting a child, that they are married. Um, but I did think this was just an interesting because Roy does almost laugh. Well, and again, I think this is. Nate's insecurities or like his self-obsession where he feels like what he did is the same level of like what Jamie, Jamie did. did because it's really not like Roy understands that Jamie and Keely have had a relationship okay. a long long relationship uh, understands that like confessing your love is entirely different from just taking a kiss because you misread the situation kind of a thing like just because it happened to be physical does not mean it's any any worse than I'm gonna go. I'm gonna disagree with you and just say they're both bad and both murderable offenses. Both murderable. Okay. Both murderable offenses. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's all. I will never compliment your uh, wife ever again. Uh, well, that's different than telling her you love her or kissing her on the mouth. All right, too shy. <laughs> uh, but please don't compliment her either. <laughs> I don't need her to get all that confidence and then leave me. Uh, but I do appreciate Beard. He's like. I'd be, uh, talks about, uh, what, you want to headbutt me or anything? Oh, I'd, yeah. Beer's like, I'd be happy to headbutt you. I'd be happy to headbutt you, Nate. <laughs> this is then where we go into Roy saying the Diamond Dogs are cool and mm -hmm. Ted and Beard are so happy. Uh, then we cut to the game and mm -hmm. very quickly we are down 2 0. We're uh, down 1 0, and then we see the goal. Then we, we see, see the goal, the goal and, and the announcers are carrying on the dialogue of, uh, I don't know that we should have gone to the false nine. I don't yeah. think changing things up right before being promoted is the right strategy. Mm -hmm. And this is also Nate on the sidelines screaming at players about staying back. And this is weird. He gets super intense, super hot, super quick. And I don't know if it's because his strategy isn't working. I don't know. Maybe we'll get to it here. But uh... I think he's upset. If I can read into Nate, he's upset because his theory is sound, but the execution is poor. And so he is upset about that that's fair should is his reaction in balance with what it should be is it a um ooh, equal reaction no it no. is not it's more of a roy reaction like the scream and yell curse words not necessarily in his mo it is over the top but he is wearing roy's clothes so that's something he's channeling roy then we're back in halftime I'm assuming Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson are performing in the middle of the <laughs> as game. They, as they do all championship as, uh, league uh, final As they games. have for the last 20 years. That's a modern <laughs> reference, right? 
I'm going to look up what year that happened and I'm going to be super sad because it's going to make me realize that uh, life is finite and one day I'll die. <laughs> Coaches, it's bleak, Ted says to him. Mm-hmm. And then he looks out at the team and he goes, it looks like a Renaissance painting portraying masculine melancholy. And the camera cuts and you see all the guys in pose and they're like, Isaac's like, uh, like uh, fist on chin. Yeah. They're all like standing still and it does look like a Renaissance photo. Like the camera angle too, kind of low to the ground where you see you got a light kind of above. Like this was one of my favorite moments. That was great, but they add a hat on a hat and make it better <laughs> by what? By uh, Will dropping his water bottle. Dropping <laughs> his water bottle. <laughs> it's so great. He's got one job to do, his whole water bottle, so he can't do it. Such a great, oh, such I want, a great I, touch of comedy there. I, I kind of want that poster. I kind of want to get oh, like, that a, picture yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a screen grab of that. Yeah. And then Nate's talking about, hey, we should have been in the false nine because the players can't execute it. And he says it so violently. Yeah. He's like, because these guys can't bleep and execute it. Mm-hmm. And Ted's like, nah, I disagree. And Roy, great idea, Roy. Roy's like, let's go ask them. They're the ones that are on the field playing the game. Why let's, not ask them? Let's not be coaches and make decisions. Let's tell, let's ask these guys. Well, I like to think that a uh, coach goes to his quarterback every once in a while and is like, hey, what Never. do you think about this? Never. That's true. Never. It Tom certainly Brady. didn't happen Monday night. <laughs> Cardinals suck. Um, a timely reference as well. That's fine. I'm not cutting that. <laughs> they asked the players, hey, what do you want to do? Do you mm-hmm. want to stick with the false nine? And great acting by all the players. They're like, hey, actors, look puzzled or look like you don't know how to make a decision. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> There you go. Those are all the noises they make. But who stands up? Our boy Jan Moss. Jan Moss. Uh, he's like, the tactic is sound. It will work. But he does call out Zero. He's like, hey, man, you should have saved that first goal. <laughs> he's like, listen to me. I will tell you the truth. And he's like, like, Zoro, you should have saved that first goal. And Zoro's like, hey, man. <laughs> so good. So good. Kind of had some levity to see, you know, some of the players start kind of laughing a little oh, yeah. bit. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So then they decide they're going to stick with Nate's false nine. And Ted does make a point of calling it Nate's false nine. And they all put their hands in. And this was a great moment, mm-hmm. I thought. Well, great moment. I did not expect it. I did not know what Isaacs was doing. Mm-hmm. But then he walks through the circle. He puts his hand on the Believe poster. They all put their hand on the Believe poster. The music is doing everything that music should do during a sports movie moment like this. Yep. They all shout. They should have shouted Believe. Uh, instead, they said uh, three, two, one, Richmond, Richmond, or one, two, three, Richmond, or one, yep. two, four, Richmond. I don't remember. <laughs> um, and then we go to. But so like the team leaves. Yeah, and Nate Nate was furious, so he he runs into the office for whatever reason. And obviously, it's got to be because of Ted saying we're going to stick with Nate's false nine, and that seemingly put Nate over the top, or he had to leave or whatever. I don't know. Nate goes into the back office. I don't know if you noticed this. He picks up his phone and he's just like flipping through his phone. He's like texting. I was or... like, no, it was like it was literally like one of those uh programs on the phone where the pictures come up and you flick your thumb and the you, pictures move. You think he was on banter or, t- uh, or Tinder? No, 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 I don't think he was swiping right or left. I feel like it was on I don't know, it was like back to one of those scenes where he's always looking at his comments like what yeah, people are saying okay. to him. Yeah, yeah. But also part of me was like, wait, is he looking for news about West Ham United or something like that? Yeah. Cuz um I guess I didn't. I wouldn't have known that on the first watch. 
Or maybe I did know it. I this was telegraphed enough that once we knew Rupert owned West Ham, I knew he was going to West Ham. So yeah, yeah I thought like something was going to come of it. Um, but he's yeah, he's super upset in the office. This is where I got confused because this is where <laughs> you and me both, pal. Nate and Ted get into it, and Ted does what a person should do, where instead of just ignoring someone's weird passive aggressiveness, mm-hmm. he goes in and he's like. He goes, what's wrong? You've been mad at me. And Ted has, I mean, the phrasing on this, I thought was very interesting. Ted says, what can I learn from this? Yeah. Which I thought was a very interesting way of going into an argument. Like, Mm -hmm. what do I have to learn from this? Mm -hmm. Um, And this gives Nate the floor. And I'll go into it. Please interject where you want to, because my Mm -hmm. confusion, which... When he when Nate started, I was like, "Oh, this is an interesting take. This yep. is not what I thought was going to happen." Because Nate says, "You made me feel like I was the most important person in the world. Like you gave me all the attention, um, and then you dropped me, and like you ignored me, mm-hmm. and I tried to win your attention back." So when they hit me with that, I was like, "Oh, okay." So Nate, being the kit man, like. Ted came in, like, learned his name, wanted to get to know him. Mm -hmm. It was just Beard and Nate and him. And, like, Ted gave him a lot of time. Um, But then at some point, like, I guess when maybe Roy came on staff or, like, I don't know what happened. um, And I was like, oh, that is an interesting take that I did not see coming. Well, when he first started talking about this and said, like, you haven't been paying attention to me, I stopped in my tracks and was like, if I go back and rewatch season two, am I going to see this? Am I going to see Ted like always looking the other way or not giving him kudos throughout the whole season? But I just don't, I don't see it. I don't think it's there. I think this is still just Nate overreacting and being so self-absorbed with like social media and all this press and publicity he seems to be getting. Um, And it's just so into his head. He can't see anybody else's perspective, but his own. And is putting all of his like anger and hate and and dumping it on Ted, and I don't think it's deserved. So, okay, good point. And th- this is where I got. So they hit me with that take of like, oh, I okay, I I I kind of okay, I see where Nate's coming from. Like, he was a kit man. Ted raised him up. Ted was very involved, and then like some other things happened, and Ted is less involved in Nate. But then Nate very transit very quick quickly transitions to um the blaming him like he's like oh you're gonna blame me for the false nine uh you Mm. wouldn't you wouldn't have won any games without me um you're a clown you shouldn't be here i deserve to be here Mm -hmm. so then i went to okay so maybe that first bit about hey you like gave me all the attention you made me you feel really important uh, and then you ditched me is where Nate has justified like what he has manufactured in his mind is the slight that is allowing him mm-hmm. to essentially like leave for West Ham. And like, it's not even really a betrayal. He's just moving on to another team. But like, yeah. so I guess in my mind, like we all do, like we sometimes when we are off put by someone, we blow up things in order to justify our actions Mm -hmm. that's where i got like that's where i got to where it's like okay that first stuff is not like it's not truly ted like ted didn't do that to him 
but Nate has blown it up in his mind and he's allowing that to justify his action of I deserve this. You're a clown. Mm-hmm. All that. Does that make sense? No, it definitely does. I, I think looking back at it, I don't know why we needed this. Like to have Nate take an opportunity to be a coach at another club, like Ted would be all for it and is likely going to be happy. He for would him. react like Rebecca's reacted with Keely. Yeah. So like, I would assume this is going to be something they're going to do in season three and have, you know, Nate be more villainous with, uh, um, with Rupert and that kind of stuff. So maybe there's like a, a long plan or long game here, but really like looking back at it retrospectively and what we've seen for this whole season, it just didn't seem to be necessary. They could have done another plot or storyline um, that allowed Nate to kind of move on and be at a different um, club or do other stuff than just having him be a jerk the whole season. Cause this season started with him just like, like maybe the first episode, he was kind of fun loving Nate, but he was just like throwing Will under the bus. He was being a jerk to people for no apparent reason. And that was long before, like maybe it was this stuff festering about his thoughts of Ted sliding him that was getting worse, but he was just, he was not a fun character throughout the entire season. And that's a good wasn't... point. No, I'm with you. Uh, and that's why I was so confused. And I wanted this justification to make a little bit more sense than it did. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think they laid the groundwork because you do see like Nate's part of the diamond dogs, like the yeah. diamond dogs met during the season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, These I, are I'm, his I'm... choices not to be like involved or all that kind of stuff. Like when they say, Oh, the diamond dog meeting is starting. He like kind of gives a wolf. Like he's just so he's over it at this point. And as opposed to just being a bigger man and saying, listen, I take another job. Like th- this is what I feel about you. He has to like belittle Ted and he brings up his son at one point. And he says, like, oh, why do you got all these pictures of stupid Americans on the wall when I gave you a signed picture of me and blah, blah, blah. Right. Which we've seen in previous episodes, Ted has that picture prominently displayed in his flat. Right. And this is just Nate projecting whatever he wants to put is not. And, and maybe this does kind of go back to, like, season one with Rupert and Ted. Like, as opposed to Nate being inquisitive and asking Ted questions or bringing up his concerns he doesn't and just assumes the worst right. of everything right. uh, and that's where ted kind of told rupert in the first season like hey if you would have asked me i would have told you i played darts i would have told you i could probably hustle you in this game it's it's definitely that dynamic at play now that nate and rupert are going to be <laughs> seemingly you know buddies in gray hair bad bad guy villains yep. together yeah i okay yeah i was very confused by this i thought they were going in one direction and then it turned into nate like screaming at ted and telling him it was a joke Mm -hmm. and i was like all right well that's fun um but ted like he apologizes ted says like hey i'm sorry if i didn't make you feel as important as like i i know you are exactly yeah and ted's not a glory hound like i don't think i mean we haven't seen every press conference after every game but I don't think Ted's taken the credit. Like, no. So that's why know. he's telling the team, like, this is Nate's thing. Like the team is not going to see that as like, Oh, Nate led us astray. Like, no, like we all agree that this is Nate's idea with a false nine. We agree. It's a good idea. Like we're going for it. Like he's not trying yeah, to throw I'm him under won- the bus. I'm wondering if we just didn't miss something because, and I don't think we did because I watched this, you know, multiple times and I paid attention to it, but like, even so the false nine works out mm-hmm. like why is nate upset like nate shouldn't be upset yeah they've like, been calling it the nate's nate's false nine yeah like he's gonna get credit for it 
and hey, it worked out and they got promoted. Like I feel what? like he just he wanted to see Ted fail. I think that's it. Is that what it he is? He wanted to see Ted fail. He knows that he's going to go coach. I'm assuming at this point he knows he's going to go coach at West Ham, uh, a Premier League team. He wants Ted to be in the lesser league and him being in the, the better league. Because he at this point, we've established Nate thinks he's better than Ted. Like, full stop. We're going to go with life lesson number six, which is sometimes people are just not going to like you. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes people, you can do whatever you want for them. You can help them out. You can do all these things. Some people are just not going to appreciate it. Yeah. And I think, well, and we'll get to it a little bit later, but that's kind of Sam's sentiment. Like at a certain point, you got to just focus on you and yourself. Yeah. And not like we'll always worry about what other people think about you. Yeah. Then we are back at the game. Sam scores. Mm -hmm. The false nine is working. Beautifully. We roll into stoppage time. It's working very late. I think they were like in the 80th minute or whatever when they scored their first goal. So that was. So it's. It's two one, and then we find out because of all the other games ending that AFC just need AFC Richmond just needs a tie, mm-hmm. the draw, a draw. They need a draw. I'm sorry, they need a draw in their drawers. <laughs> uh, did you notice the digital banners all around the stadium though during the sequence? Yeah, I was like, oh, are these all fake advertisements? It was very prominent. Are yeah. those real real advertisements? They were fake. Did you see what the advertisement was for though? No, it was for Donner kebabs. <laughs> I think it was the kebab the shop. The kebab guy. Which good for that guy for being able to afford that advertisement. Oh, yeah. Um, or maybe it was just like uh, Roy you know, did it as a favor or whatever. Well, he's got all that hair and the kebab money <laughs> from so all true. those countersuing suits. <laughs> uh, I thought that was a funny little catch. The announcers are like, we just need one moment of individual brilliance. And that's when they flip the ball. Yamas does a pass from the defense over to Jamie. Clearly offsides, right? Miles. Okay, thank you. Just, just miles you. on side. The way they I think we've established it, I don't know a lot about football <laughs> or soccer, but I do know that two Richmond players are both offsides. I think you could have made the argument. I think it was either Sam or Danny. Like they were running maybe closer to offsides, but like when it cuts to that wide shot, like Jamie is just literally probably 10, 15 yards off, and he's the one that first makes the touch. It was yeah. five it was yard cold. penalty. Take him back. <laughs> But Jamie gets uh, kicked, <laughs> I'm assuming, in the groin. And so he gets a penalty kick. And Jamie is going to take the penalty kick. And then he gives it to Danny. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, is this like a... What's going through Jamie's mind? Is the moment too big for him? Is he trying to pass this off to, for Danny? Is he recognizing that Danny needs this based on what happened to Danny in the first season? I think like, so. What's happening here? I, I think so. I think Jamie has probably been taking all of the kicks since uh, uh, Danny's earlier uh, incidents. Um, and where he killed the dog. <laughs> where yeah, the dog died. Well, I do love how the announcer kind of comes on. It's like, oh, and he's going to give it to Danny, who hasn't kicked a penalty since, well, <laughs> it stops. <laughs> he has more tact than I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I think it's twofold. I think it's... Um, uh, Jamie believing in uh, uh, Danny's abilities and he knows that he can make this shot and he wants to give him that redemption. I think in general, like you usually have a penalty kick taker on your team. They'll usually, every player is in practice going to take penalty kicks. It's not always the star forward or whatever sure. that's going to take them. Some guys are just better at it. Some guys get in their head and they panic. There's some guys that are just like really good at faking goalie one direction or another okay. before they guess. Um, but I think this is Jamie trying to give uh, Danny his redemption. 
as Danny approaches, he looks a little bit nervous. Then he looks off to the left. <laughs> what does he see? He sees a new puppy. And that puppy's wearing what, Tom? He's wearing a little cute little helmet. It was so adorable. A little helmet. And I had to admit, like, based on this season, I kind of thought this puppy, uh, which I think we have established this puppy is Macy Greyhound. Macy Greyhound. I think I thought Macy Greyhound was a goner. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were going <laughs> to... I thought they were going to get us one, too. Uh, I don't think you can hit a puppy with a soccer ball on TV. <laughs> I, mean... the, I don't think the ratings will allow that. You can kill an adult dog with a soccer ball on TV, but you can't kill a puppy. <laughs> Danny, I did. I felt the emotion of this moment where yeah. Danny goes, football is life. And he just, like, that actor, like, when he's happy mm -hmm. and you see, like, his smile. The joy. And, like, the joy. Yeah. Uh, just great casting and mm -hmm. great acting by him. I mean so much fun so they or they get the draw which allows them to get promoted we're going up we're going up um nate's unhappy well and the players I, the players all run onto the field and like and one nate, of the coaches or the player right. gets like shoves nate like almost to the side oh yeah because them. nate is just you know completely indifferent on the sidelines not happy at all i yeah i did not understand this uh it was his plan it worked um, but this leads us to Roy headbutting Jamie <laughs> and us realizing that Roy has not forgiven Jamie. Um, but he's like, oh, because I broke your nose, I can now hug you. I am Roy. Oi. <laughs> Maybe that's how Roy, Roy forgives people. I am Roy. He headbutts him and that's the forgiving. That's he where, did, he, that's where he Keely said, fell in love with him. I did this her. so I could do this. And then he hugged him and then they all celebrated. So that's how he apologizes. Yeah, I would think uh, you could probably still hug someone with that headbutting, but I'm not Roy. Oi. Um, <laughs> then we're in the the locker room, and I didn't like this at all. Ugh, I did not terrible. like this at all. What is on the desk, Tom? It's a very perfectly ripped uh, <laughs> <laughs> Believe poster just sitting right there on the desk, which you obviously know is Nate doing this, but like, Again, it's like, yeah, we hate it, or we get it. We hate Nate. We, like, yeah, we're not supposed to like Nate. Do you need him to destroy the banner that the team has just rallied upon? It was like, okay, season one, we had bad guys. We had Jamie at times. We had mm -hmm. Rupert at times. Mm -hmm. Season two, our bad guy was mental health. You know, <laughs> yeah. like we didn't really have a tangible bad yeah. guy. Yeah. Although I would argue Edwin Akufu could have come in earlier <laughs> and been a bad guy. Uh, we'll get to that in a very a quick arc. But um, I feel like they're doing all this to like, they're like, we've heard your criticisms, people, that uh, there was no foil in season two. We're going to give you the foil of a lifetime. <laughs> and it's Nick Mohammed in a weird gray wig. Um, anyways, so <laughs> Sam then goes and turned down Edwin. Did you expect this? Did you see this coming? Uh, I I think I did. I don't. I wasn't one hundred percent sure what would happen, but I feel like when we got that sequence of Sam seeing the guys in the jerseys at the park or the kids, I, I feel like that was them telling us. No, no, no. Forgive me. Did you see? Oh, Sam, Edwin's Edwin turn. <laughs> being a, a heel. Uh, no, I you definitely did, did not. No. So there's a moment when they have lunch where where at the very end of lunch, um, Sam's <laughs> like, "Oh, I appreciate you making this in the Nigerian style." Mm -hmm. And he goes, oh, well, you know, it's like the inferior. Edwin's like, it's not as good. Yeah. And he's like, oh, uh, and we can fight over it. 
And when he says we can fight over it, there's not much humor in that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that actor just did that weird. Because that should be a joke. Well, you called it last episode. Like, you kind of said, like, is he kind of a Bond villain kind of oh, thing? No, he doesn't certainly... know who he is oh, yeah. yet. Um, but, yeah, he goes literally 180. Like, the second that Sam that de- turns and declines his offer, he goes on this crazy yet brilliantly hilarious rant about everything. Um, did you notice at the beginning of this sequence, though, uh, I guess his name is Francis because Ted mentions it earlier, sure. but his like assistant that gives the high fives, he's literally practicing handshakes with the skeleton in the room. What skeleton? They're like in like the physio room. Oh, uh, so no, I can't notice it at all. He's literally shaking hands with the skeleton. <laughs> he's practicing his handshake. Oh, it's so great. But I think we could both agree after this whole sequence and... You know, Akufu going to uh, murder the uh, skeleton. The dummy. Or no, the dummy. The, the, dummy the Richmond jerseys. Pooping on it and wiping his imaginary <laughs> poop, poop on it. it. A lot um, of poop talk during this rant. Yes. Um, I'm assuming at this point Sam regrets his decision. And 100%. Wishes he would have He was like, yes. oh, that is a leader of men. <laughs> that guy could take me to the championship of soccer. I don't know what that's called. Do you think we'll see more of Akufu? I hope so. I, I hope that they come into play in the third season. Yeah. I found like uh I found the turn great. I found like the fact that they let him go for a long time <laughs> yeah. and just be outrageous. Like his slow strangle of the mannequin <laughs> to down. the ground was all great. And they were like, Hey man, you've got the scene, just like do yeah, you. Play with it. He did a great job. Anytime someone goes to that high pitch mad scream, uh, and they can pull it off well is a lot of fun for me. Ted's then in the press conference. Uh, he go he mentions Trent, Trent Krim, and we find out that Trent Krim's not there. I found mm-hmm. that a little bit sad. Yeah. And then, what did you, I guess in that moment, did you have a thought of what happened to Trent? Like, why is Trent not there? I guess my, my initial thought was that, like, Rebecca made that call that she said, like, she wouldn't because about, like, oh, I'm going to find out who this anonymous source is because I think we've established that Rebecca has ties or relationships with the yeah, she knows God. guy of the sign. <laughs> yes, she knows God. Um, so I guess I thought there was just something that, that happened in the back end that that had him leave because, to me, there would have been no other reason for him not, Trent Crum not to be there unless he was no longer a reporter. Yeah, my, my initial thought was maybe Trent Crum felt ashamed and so he didn't want to face Ted, but that's not really Trent. Trent yeah. like texted him and and then this leads to which I felt like was maybe the conclusion of the whole season where yeah. he's like Ted's like, I'd like to talk about mental health and sports. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is this where we got with all these panic attacks, is this was this the message? Did you feel like this was like the bow tie on the message of the season? Yeah, I thought they were kind of trying to do that for sure because we dealt with so much of it this season. Um, but I'm with you. Like, there there are mental health issues in sports, but like we weren't dealing with mental health issues in sports. We were dealing with well, I don't know. I guess you were because you could say Danny Rojas had that issue, and they like Dr. Sharon was able to help kind of Danny kind of take the turn. We saw Dr. Sharon get with like Colin and make Colin like more self-aware and have him become a better person. But like Ted was really the focal point of all the mental health issues. And like, to me, that doesn't necessarily tie in with sports outside of like, sure, Ted's a coach for the team and he just had an article written for him. But I I don't know. I guess that would, to me, it was a little fast and loose with, with that theme of the season. I have, listen, the importance of mental health is obviously established like it's important i understand it is a thing i am not so like weird old school 
like masculine <laughs> guy mentality that I would would ignore it. But uh, I do think that like if your gig is competitive, like physical, athletic, mm-hmm. and also there is a mental aspect to that, that uh, there is a little bit of a cop, well, not a cop out, but like, like it's part of the gig. Like you yeah. have to perform under pressure and that's why you're at that level. Like if, if, if you have an issue with that, don't do that. Like, well, I think physical talents can only take you so far, right? Like to be great, you have to have that mental fortitude and mental toughness to be able yes. to persevere. Mental toughness, mental fortitude, great terms. Yeah. Great terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think like when I first uh, heard this and saw this too, this made me kind of think of recently like Simone Biles in the uh, Olympics because she was like, she is there without a doubt, like the best gymnast ever to have lived. Like she has these moves that nobody else in the world can even attempt to do because they're to a degree of danger. Um, but she's so talented that she can do it. And she got to the Olympics and she, I don't know what they called it, like the, the term, but she got like the more or less the equivalent of the yips. Like she called the twisties. I think they called it because she's doing such difficult things in the air. If she didn't feel like she was mentally capable or she got in her head, like she made the decision, like, I'm not going to do this to, uh, to try to prove anything to anybody because I've already proved this. Like, if I'm not feeling hundred percent up to it, I'm not going to do it. And I thought it was like courageous of her to say, like, not do the team events, not do any of that kind of stuff and bow out because she knows she wasn't mentally there. So I think it kind of goes both ways to be a true champion in a sport. You have to be mentally tough by the same point. You need to be strong enough mentally to say, I don't have it. Like I can't do it right now and make that decision. So you don't hurt yourself. And I thought that was commendable by her. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Your thoughts. Uh, I'm not going to get myself in trouble. (laughs) So, um, and I don't know enough about that story to really speak to it, Mm -hmm. but I do think that like throughout time, people have probably, uh, you know, had, I don't know. We all get nervous. We all like there is a moment of you've got to like go do it despite mm-hmm. your fear. Uh, and so. But I think there's we, a difference. Whatever right? we want to call it. Yeah. But there's a difference between just like a single moment in time versus like like Ted's mental health had nothing to do with sport. Nothing with him about being a good sportsman. It's just like he was dealing with personal issues. So there's a I think we have to make sure we separate like. Being good at sports and having mental issues can be completely separate. They don't necessarily go hand in hand of making you good at the athletic feat that you're performing. No, but I, under- I understand that. But what I would say this is certainly in like a team environment where the mm-hmm. other people are relying on you yeah. is like uh, if you're having those issues, you've got to recognize, hey, this is a detriment. I need to take myself out of this long before it becomes an issue yeah. for like the team. And that's what so like that the, Simone did in the Olympics. She took herself out. It's so one of the alternates can come in. And I think they ended up actually still meddling in the Olympics. See, I don't remember any of that. I just think people should be tough. <laughs> Fair. Like those dancers in uh, West Side Story. Those guys were the toughest. <laughs> then we find ourselves with Rebecca and Ted in the office. Did you think we were going to get a bubble water incident? <laughs> I think like uh, Rebecca squashed it very quickly, but that was my initial impression when she offered him a drink. I was hoping she was going to like mix bottles and accidentally <laughs> give him the champagne, give him some fizzy water. 
I don't even think we get, well, we do get to the water eventually, but Sam comes in. Sam tells us that he's staying. And then he turns to Ted. We get some awkward moments because Sam doesn't know that Ted Ted's there. Yeah. He comes in and does know. Yeah. Rebecca. Mm -hmm. And um, he's like, Hey, I'm not staying because of anyone else, but me, I Mm -hmm. think this is good for my personal journey. Yeah. It's not because of you. Yeah. (laughs) What he says it to Ted, but he's clearly talking to Rebecca. Uh, again, I think uh, Hannah Waddingham does some great acting here at the end where she like takes down the champagne yeah. in one shot and she kind of gives this little like, um, I don't know, like little noise or scuffle or whatever. But uh, again, I think this is probably, I think it's good for Sam. And I still think that Sam and Rebecca are, are going to probably have some relationship in season three. But I think this is the show just wanting to manufacture some drama and kind of get us hoping or, or guessing if they're going to get together. I loved that Ted was like, uh, I think he was talking to you, but he was looking at me. <laughs> such a great thing to point out. Then we cut from there, and Trent Krim is in the parking lot. Again, we got another thing of a, somebody just waiting outside for who knows how long waiting. for somebody else to come up. There must um, A lot of <laughs> muggings must happen in this par- parking lot because people just loiter all the time. Oh, wait a minute. He doesn't have a press pass anymore. How could he be there? I don't know. He shouldn't be there. I don't know, but we discover he can't ride a bike. Um, he informs Ted's like, Hey, you know, why weren't you at the press conference? He's like, well, um, I, uh, am no longer working for the independent. Yeah. He kind of said like, and like, I, they, they found out that I gave away my anonymous source and he's like, Oh, I'm so sorry that happened. I didn't say anything. He was like, well, no, no, I was the one that did that. So I guess he was looking to quit or or get a new gig, which would be odd to like throw yourself under the bus. There's probably other ways that you could, you know, quit your reporting job. Um, but yeah, he's looking for something deeper, is what he says. Said deeper. Do you have any thoughts? Like, what? What do you mean? Do you think he's gonna investigative journalism? Is he gonna create a murder podcast and solve murders in his building? My thought was he was going to start a Richmond podcast because everyone knows there's money in podcasting. <laughs> yeah, this is how we became triple commas. This is how we became triple. What was the word? Commas. Commas. I don't know. They work. Um. I didn't know the thing that confused me the most was not that he didn't know how to ride a bicycle, but the 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 car being locked and him locking his keys in the car. I looked this up too because I thought it was weird. At first my first watch through, I'm like, oh, this is just a funny bit. The guy just leaves his keys in the car. Haha, ha, it's funny. It wasn't that funny though. But exactly. And like there there has to be more to this. And from what I kind of gleaned from the internet, I think what they're trying the show's trying to do and tell us is that Trent's not going anywhere. It's the idea that Trent's going to still be around for season three. Yes, he's not going to be a reporter, but they're likely going to keep Trent around in some other capacity. So Trent's just going to live in the parking lot? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is Keeley's gone. They're looking for a PR person. Like maybe he, you know, pivots and does PR for Richmond. Is PR for a club deeper than being a journalist? I don't know. It depends on what kind of PR you do. I guess if you're doing PR and a podcast, (laughs) that's pretty deep. (laughs) But I don't know. Do you have any have any thoughts on the keys in the car? I would assume that people love Trent Krim just as as a character and mm-hmm. as an actor. That in the third season they're going to bring him in more, and I hope they do because yeah. I love everything about Trent Krim. I do appreciate. He's like, why'd you assume I ride a bike because of my <laughs> hair and my whole like aesthetic? <laughs> He's like, yep, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but Ted makes the obvious joke, the oh, great yes. joke. Trent Krim, independent. <laughs> No longer he he dropped the 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 he's like yeah my dad made the same joke <laughs> dad's a that's a funny guy <laughs> yeah all of Ted's jokes are dad jokes welcome <laughs> to the business um then we get 
the flash across the screen. Star mm. star swipe <laughs> five days later. Yes. We find ourselves in Keely's office as she is picking up all her stuff. And Roy very nicely has bought them a six week vacation to some place I hadn't heard of before. And Keely won't go. Is your thought like when you heard six week vacation, did you like did that take you aback a little bit? No, I think of them like teachers. Like there's a soccer, there's a soccer season, yeah. football season, and then in the off season they go on vacation. Okay, they obviously fair. can afford it. Well, that's the other thing. Like made me think of like much like <laughs> teachers, they can obviously afford it. <laughs> yeah, they, can they are teachers so well. When I heard six weeks vacation, I'm like, oh man, it must nice to be rich to be able to just afford staying in some sort of like villa for six weeks and and being able to take time off. But that that took me back a little bit. But I thought like Keely's response was fair, like. She didn't just start this company. Like she started this company like a week ago. It's not, she's not waiting for six weeks to then start it. Uh, and just like Roy's thought of like, Oh, there's going to be Wi-Fi there. You could still work. Like trying to build up a company from the ground up. Like if she's hiring people and things like that, people are probably not going to think a lot of her if she's leaving uh, to go on some holiday for six weeks when, you know, they're trying to build the company. So I thought it was fair that she wanted to stay. I agree. I agree with all that. Yeah here's i mean me being a reasonable person here's how this conversation goes <laughs> thank you for getting us a six-week vacation there's no way i'm going to be able to go for six weeks mm-hmm. i'll probably be able to come out for one maybe at some point during that time uh is that an option yes that's an option. oi that's an option <laughs> like like she's just like no i can't go but you should go that's what yeah the delivery of that was but weird. you should go yeah and that's where he like he reads Take into it. Take backs is what she should have said. <laughs> yeah. uh, he reads in. It was like, "Are you breaking up with me?" Which I mean, I don't know. That was like, a conclusion that he jumped to very fastly. Yeah, I, he, he fastly, did. fastly work. <laughs> yes, sure. Fastly and furiously. Yeah, <laughs> I like the fifth one. Go but ahead. I do like like Keely says, "I'll see you in six weeks." Um, but like we've established, like FaceTime is a thing in this world. Like, sure, they could still FaceTime and see each other. Like I don't know, like. I'm with Keeley that Roy definitely deserves a break. He deserves some kind of time off and to relax, but I don't think, and we all know this, like Roy going to relax by himself for six weeks is not the same with him going with Keeley and relaxing with Keeley, like the, his love. Like he, he wants to be with her and experience this stuff with her, not just sit on a beach by himself and eat bonbons or whatever he sure. said he was going to gorge Let himself with. Not rehab his knee. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I like the gesture. I was a little bit confused by both responses and both conclusions that were jumped to. Uh, but that's fine. That was only five days later. What's really important is that three weeks later, mm. Sam buys what? He buys a restaurant because he's going to start a Nigerian restaurant, which is uh, good for him. Good for Because we've established there's none in, the, uh, none in the area, so he's going to start one up. Tom? Yeah. I thought to myself, you know what Tom and I should do? We should go to a Nigerian restaurant. So what did I do? I got on the old Google machine, okay. as you like to call it. Yeah. I looked up Nigerian restaurants in our area. Were there any? I'll give you a guess of how many Nigerian restaurants there are. I'm going to, unfortunately, probably say none. Okay. So two popped up. Okay. One of them, the only review was, this is not a physical location. I called the number. This doesn't exist. One star. Okay. Uh, the other one was not necessarily Nigerian, but maybe someone that is lumping Nigerian into some other cuisine. Okay. Uh, and it also had terrible ratings. Mm. So 
Um, we're not going to be going to a Nigerian restaurant anytime soon. We can still get those, like, it wasn't like a chip or a biscuit or a cookie or something that uh, Sam loved in the first season. Yeah, we can probably look up what those are. (laughs) Fiddle faddle, I think he calls them. Um, So three weeks later was important. Mm -hmm. What's more important is two weeks later. Two months later. Oh. What did I say? (laughs) He said two weeks. Okay. Two weeks is important. Three weeks is important. The movie Six Weeks is also important, but so is Two Months Later. Who's dressed like Bond villains? Who's dressed like Raj Al Ghul uh, from Batman the Cartoon? Not any of the movies. It's our boy Nate and Rupert. And Nate, he's got his gray. It's now much grayer and a little bit longer. Like he just has like... Do you think it's... You said wig earlier. Do you think it's an actual wig or do you think he just grew his hair out of I did not know what was going on. A part of me was like, oh, is he trying to do kind of a like a lasso like side okay. part thing? Yeah. But that's not what it was. It was very strange. All I could think of is that Rupert, like the way he enters camera from the left and leaves mm-hmm. from the right. I was like, oh, he's leaving a scene of Buffy where he's been <laughs> turned into like an evil vampire. <laughs> and this is that's all I could think about. Nate turns and comes to camera and you see two fangs. Oh, it was I was like, what is going on here? I hope they were proud of the scene. I yeah, I mean like they they show Nate's like manager style where he's running this team like army or whatever, making them run like drills. <laughs> <laughs> it did have that effect. There's like just a cadence going yeah. on. No one's having any fun. Yep. No one's making any weird obscure references. But yeah, again, it's just like again the show is just telling us apparently that gray hair is bad. Gray hair is bad. Black suits, black outfits are bad. He did have black suits. And he turns around and he walks right into camera and he gives that smirk. It's like a, a wink or an eyebrow lift. I don't know. I was like, just show him coaching. Like, yeah. show him competently coaching because we know he's competent. Like, mm-hmm. he's he's a good, like, soccer theorist. I don't know what the term is. Well, and it's also like a fourth or fourth wall, fifth wall. It's, it's a wall break. Yeah. He's looking at camera. Very strange. Odd for the show to do. Just, like, show him, like, doing good, like, tactically sound coaching. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, oh, like, oh, they're going to have to deal with that. Like, Nate is with another club. But instead, they go, like, super over-the-top Bond villain. What do you what do you think we're gonna get in like season three in terms of like two games Nate's... against West Ham? I don't know. <laughs> they're very good. They do play two games against yeah, home and away. Um, like, do you think they're gonna like cut and like show his arc? Is he just gonna be like a Rupert where he just kind of shows up randomly? I don't know. I mean, they've built this up that obviously they're going to be a foil in this. So my thought, I mean, how can they reach out and touch AFC Richmond? They can reach out and touch them. Two games out mm-hmm. of the season. Yep. They can reach out and touch them via like trying to trade players or trying to like buy contracts, yeah. that sort of thing. Uh they can reach out and touch them via weird inner soccer uh <laughs> dinners where they all get together. I don't know. Like yeah. that that's I feel like they're like, Oh, here are the bad guys for season three. Yeah. But you're right. How are they going to affect them? That's why I thought, again, we theorized last episode that they would bring Sam into the mix or something. So you'd have more cast of characters. But now when you have Nate and Rupert together being 
villains or jerks. It's yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go. Here's what they should have done. Yep. They should have had Nate staring down that camera, giving that weird smirk, <laughs> and then the camera get like jostled and it come out, and Beard being in all black standing next to Nate, being like, Let's do this. <laughs> Beard's the assistant coach now. Beard is the assistant coach at West Ham and has abandoned. That would have been a neat twist. That would have been a twist. A twist! Well, there you have it, Julian. End of season two. Overall thoughts? I like season one better. <laughs> okay, that's I'll a fair I'll summarize it this way. I like season one better. I tend to agree. There were fun moments, but unfortunately I thought there were a lot more slog uh, and a lot more odd character development that we didn't necessarily enjoy. We'll, we'll probably do one more recap episode to kind of talk through everything we liked, disliked, some of our favorite stuff. We'll do a little quiz game again. I think that was fun. We did for season one. Um, yeah, now I know how hard you're going to make the question, <laughs> so I'm going to get you back this year. Uh, but again, always a, always a fun time recording with you, my friend. Um, and uh, I'm interested to see what uh, we get in season three. For those of you that have uh, questions, uh, for those of you that have comments about uh, all my comments this episode that I'm sure <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for, you can write us at team binge podcast at gmail.com or you can find us on twitter or facebook at team binge we appreciate you listening thing that has kept us going during this whole process mm -hmm. is knowing that there are millions and millions of you out there yep. listening to us at least three times a day yeah me I, I would say me and julian are pretty much like nate we just scroll through and look at all of your guys's comments That's exactly and they right. build us up and they make us the men we are today, which is why we are both going gray. That's right. They build us up like buttercups. Tom, I'm not going to ask you what the next episode is called because actually, what's going to be the uh, <laughs> episode one of season three of Ted Lasso called? Ted, Tom, I'll give you the floor in order to, because I know you've got the inside scoop. Oh, You're yeah. much like Trent Krim of mm -hmm independent correct uh you've got what the next episode is called and mm -hmm. it is called west ham more like east ham <laughs> <laughs> oh oh yes that laugh was legitimate you got it i spiked red all right uh all of you thank you for your time i've been julian i've been tom have a great day everybody <laughs>